Beyond the Ranch with Jay Gannon from Find the Ranch. Welcome back to Beyond the Wrench. My name is Jay Gannon, and I am your host. Want to say thank you to everybody that's been listening to the podcast. It's really, really gained traction, and it's not possible without all of you that listen. As for this week, uh, we're going to start off with the winner of our higher or lower game, which is sponsored by our good friends at Diesel Laptops. This last week's winner was Tyler Mefford with a high score of 40. In winning that, he won a $100 Amazon gift card and had a chance at flipping the Queen of Hearts in our Queen of Hearts game, and he did it. So Tyler Mefford won the $2,300 pot. Congratulations to you, Tyler. It's really, really exciting when we're able to give away that money. And uh, with that, the Queen of Hearts now resets to $500. So we start back down at the $500 mark, but I'd encourage you all to get out, play the game, answer the questions. The questions really, really do help us out, and we greatly appreciate that. Before we jump into today's episode, we have an exciting announcement, and that is that registration is now open for our second annual Tech Mission event. Tech Mission is a two-day virtual event that brings together technicians, shop owners, managers, and schools all in kind of one big mixed pot so we can talk about really the things that are impacting the industry. The focus and, and really why we're doing it again this year is we're going to be talking about why technicians are leaving the industry, what schools can do to better prepare technicians when they do come into industry, and what shops can do to keep technicians in the industry and really hopefully have really, really good conversations with tangible things that you can take back and implement and hopefully help improve the industry. It's completely free to attend, but you must register. Even if you can't attend live, register and we'll email you the recordings after the event. We'll put the link in the show notes so that you can register, but you can also go out to wrenchway.com in our events tab and be able to register there as well. As for this week's episode, we get to talk about the future of diagnostics with Josh Carton from Curian. And really, this was a cool podcast from the standpoint of taking a deep dive into what Josh is is doing at Curian and what they're doing for the future of diagnostics using AI and using some different tools that hopefully will make your job easier in the shops when it comes to diagnosing vehicles. So, a uh, really cool conversation. Josh goes into a really, really deep dive into what that means, how it's going to impact us as an industry. And I think you're really, really going to enjoy it. Really look forward again to having you listen to this, having you join us for Tech Mission, and hopefully helping us make the industry a better place to be. Thank you so much again to all of our listeners. We truly, truly love you and appreciate you. And uh, look forward to hearing what you have to think of this episode. Take care. Excited today to get to welcome my friend Josh Carton from Curian. We've got a lot to talk about. I think there's uh, some really, really cool insight that Josh can bring to the podcast and to all of you. And so welcome, Josh. Thanks. I really appreciate that, Jay. Thanks so much for having me on, man. It, it's good to talk with you again. I know we did something about a year, year and a half ago for the folks up in Antigo. Well, actually for the industry, because it was because of them with the whole insur- tool insurance bit. That was that was quite a thing. 
It was nuts, right? Like the, we, we did some, I, I kind of, it became kind of back of mind, but it was such an important thing in that for those of you that didn't follow any of our content at the time, there was a shop that had burned to the ground in Northern Wisconsin. And it was a, a big issue because the, the techs weren't sure if they had insurance on their tools. The, there was kind of a very little communication from the shop on what was covered. And I think a lot of times in that scenario, maybe the, the shop owner themselves don't know. And so they're trying to figure it out and get their bearings about them. But I went up and visited the site. It's extremely humbling and extremely, it, I think it brings reality to the table, right? Like where it, that that kind of thing can happen. And yeah, it, it freaked us out. I know that. And you you did an awesome job in stepping up and, and helping them out. Well, you know, it's that's all we can do is try to help each other out in the industry. I mean, that's why we're here. <laughs> we make yeah. tools not just to make things, but it's to help people. We love to do that. And that's it's part of who we are. Well, that's what I love. It about looks like it. Oh, <laughs> thanks. And I know that's <laughs> that's a big part about what you guys are too. One hundred percent. So tell us yeah. tell our audience, tell the the listeners a little bit about you. Sure. Yeah. So um I'm actually I'm going to say somewhat new in the industry compared to some of the other folks you have on here. I've only been in this space for the last 10 years. I myself have an IT background. I come from an information technology space where we were both on the coding and the programming side, but also the hardware side into network security and a lot of just technical background, even into the manufacturing side of things. And actually my foray into automotive, although I was always into cars as a kid, I mean, Jesus, Fast and the Furious came out when I was, I'm going to say in middle school, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm aging myself there somewhere. <laughs> but at, at the end of the day, you know, that was kind of like that really big re-push into the industry that, that we had seen. And I know there's a lot of content out there. Seema has done a lot of talking about how that Fast and the Furious franchise brought a lot of people back into automotive, or at least into the tuner space. But anyways... Outside of that, my foray into automotive came from the insurance industry. I actually, so I, I was uh, responsible for information technology on the West Coast into Southern Texas for an insurance company. At the time, they were called Infinity Insurance. They no longer um, exist as Infinity. They were, uh, I think they were recently purchased by Kemper. However, um, I moved to South Texas for a year to open up a, a network security firm. I'm sorry, not a network security firm, to open up a call center for them. And, you know, it was fantastic. It was great. But, man, it gets real hot, <laughs> real humid in South Texas. I, I only did that for about a year. And then I decided to come back to California where we're based. And the only way to do that at the time, I mean, this is post market crash, like it's really tough to get a job. So I took a job with the same company, becoming an automotive appraiser. And wow. so I actually, through that program, was put through not just a month of training on books, but then they sent us to Bessemer, Alabama to learn how to, you know, repair vehicles, paint cars, you know, estimate body damage, hands-on really doing it. So that way, when we were in the field, we had an idea and we can really real world negotiate with, you know, the body shops and stuff like that. And so with that, I started to see, and my IT background, obviously, I started to see a lot of what I'll call inefficiencies and just a lot of opportunity to really start to bring things to the space, to automate, to, 
to digitize things. And, and goodness, this is still back in 2009, 2010. And so I did that for a while and, but my IT self, you know, really kind of kept, kept me not fully into that. And so I went into network security and that's where we did the network security firm and all of that. But, you know, now let's fast forward it to the last 10 years. And what ended up happening was I went to go work for a manufacturer. Power Probe was the name of the company. We were doing circuit testing and electrical, powering things up with the tools and all that. That's really where I got to chomp and, and sharpen my teeth in the industry, you know, understanding more about diagnostics, circuit testing, the future of automotive manufacturing, and wrapping everything up over the last, you know, 20, 25 years in, in the workforce and and kind of come to where we are today which is curian. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, which you've, so, you you've built something really cool here, right? And I mean this is something that you're working on and it's it's fascinating. Uh, so tell us tell us some about curian. Yeah, sure. So with curian and, and it is pronounced curian that is shorthand or paraphrase for the term curiosity engaged and that is more than just like a tagline or a motto for us. It really is a way of life. It's the way that all of us in the company operate. So we, and you'll find this not just in our products, but everything that we do, we really, we are pushing the envelope of what we believe is possible. We believe you have to be curious about everything and ask why things are the way they are. Why aren't they better? And how can we do them differently to get better results? And, and, but just as you know, Jay, and, and most of you guys and gals listening, no one's going to sit here and do that for us. We have to do that for ourselves. And that's where the engaged part comes in. Like, it's one thing to be curious, but that's not enough. You have to be actively engaged in making that happen. And so that's really who we are, what we believe and how we go after everything that we're doing. And to talk a little bit about the company itself and, and the things that we're making, we are taking a lot of information, knowledge, and experience that we've gained over the last 10 years. So my business partner, Manny, and I in the last 10 years have been in the space. We actually met through the Power Probe situation and we helped grow them and we built and founded a Power Probe Tech there. And once we left, we created Kirian and we've brought on different people from the industry. You know, we've got the manufacturing pedigree, the the launching globally of products all over the world for different brands. I mean, we've got our names on patents from, you know, all sorts of well-known companies you guys are very familiar with on a daily <laughs> basis, you know, and, and we were doing that for others and now we're going to be, we're doing it for ourselves. And, you know, a big part of that is really taking, and, and I'll, I'll just kind of condense it to this yeah. with where the tools are going and what we believe is the future of diagnostics. We're trying to take and capture the intelligence of a billion mechanics and put them in your hand. I mean, like if you wanted to condense it down to one thing, that's really what it is. And how we're going to get there obviously is a little bit more drawn out and a bit of a longer <laughs> conversation, but it leads into what we see the future of diagnostics as and then the future of the industry with automotive. I mean, you see cars every day are getting smarter and more complex. They're different systems. Now the cars today are more along the realms of what I was dealing with in the network security age 10 years ago. You know, we're, we're talking network communicating, you know, multi-system endpoints, access nodes. You've got Wi-Fi hotspots in the vehicles. You've got a, you know, you've got a plethora of ways for these vehicles to receive signals and information and react to them. 
and either be messed up or properly compensate and keep going. So there, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot going on, not just today, but you know, where the manufacturers are pointing, where, where the, we all as humanity see the industry going, you know, there, there's a lot to understand and take in and, and try and diagnose there. <laughs> well, a, a few things you said there really caught my attention. The first being, I did not know how you came up with your name, with the, with the, ah. the, the company name. So I learned something right off the bat there, which is really cool, by the way. And then you. secondly, the the piece about bringing all of that knowledge together, right? And and being able to maybe use the collective knowledge of a lot of people to be able to help that. So how do you how do you pull knowledge together, or like how do you sure. how do you get that knowledge database together? Well, you signed the NDA. No, I'm. You don't have to give. You don't have to give the no, secret yeah, sauce. Yeah, just yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So I'll I'll keep it general and romantic, but at the end of the day, look, we've got so many makes, models, manufacturers, there are different variances between, you know, all of these things, but a lot of the components, a lot of, you know, human nature is human nature. People with a lead foot are going to drive like they do with a lead foot. You see this insurance all the time. They, that's how your underwriters make good cost estimates for how much it costs to insure you because they have a general idea based on different metrics about you on how much you're going to cost the company and repairs over the lifetime of the contract. And so when you start taking that approach and and I will say with the tools we have today, we actually take analog signals. So volts, ohms, amps, some sort of physical measurement, temperature, a a pressure, a pulse, and we are digitizing it. We take the information and yeah, we display it on a screen, but what's happening is the tool itself is taking the information, sending it to our mobile app. And today we're not transmitting anything into our cloud servers, but in the future, we are gonna take that digitized information, anonymize it, tag it to the types of vehicles and the situations and the scenarios and the geographies and, and what all the different data points that we know about that particular vehicle issue and situation, and you feed that into a larger machine learning system that will then start to make these analyses and these correlations and look at the trends. So overall, as you start to build this general database, then you're able to start leveraging also what the mechanics themselves are doing with the information, with the repairs. And like we talked about before, we'll start to be able to provide probabilities of repair based on just a few scenarios of of how the information was gathered and what we knew off the bat. And as we continue to walk down the diagnostic process, you know, we'll be able to help the mechanics going along with that. How freaking cool is that? Like that, (laughs) (laughs) that is amazing. That is really, really awesome. And I, you know, I think it's so important to understand, and, and we'll dive into maybe the, the problem or really what the, the core issues that we see out there are, but I think all of us truly understand that this technology in vehicles is not getting easier tomorrow, right? Like it, it, this oh. is just going to continue to get crazier and crazier in terms of, of the technology that goes into these, and we've seen that just oh, in the yeah. past year or so. Exactly. I mean, your system vehicles today, and and I will say this because there's two segments of the automotive repair side. So we mainly deal 
in what I, what we call the aftermarket, which is repair independent repair facilities. Very few dealership level items, but independent repair facilities that are seeing vehicles that are at least five years old. So the reason being is within the first five years, you're mainly dealing with warranty on a vehicle and it's staying at the dealership level. Now, it doesn't mean that dealerships will not sublet out work and they do. And that's where they go to the diagnostician type. But to, to, I guess, where we're going with this or what I'm trying to get to with this is you have systems that are so new. And the engineers at the OEM levels are giving general diagnostic processes to the manufacturers, but even, you know, to the dealerships, I'm sorry, but even the dealerships themselves aren't able to diagnose these things today. And that's just with ADOS, you know, and that is the advanced driver assistance systems. So, you know, whether it's helping you with parallel parking, the, the, the beeps in the, when you're reversing the cameras the millimeter waves or the microwaves or the radar, you know, as you're driving the stop assistance, that's just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, as, as I know, we kind of talked about this a little bit last time, and I think you had Scott Brown on your last podcast. He covers this a lot where the SAE has just as of a couple months ago, put out a new update to the five levels of like to fully autonomous vehicle driving. And and we obviously as an industry expect that to continue to be updated. You know, when it comes down to what it takes to be fully autonomous, you're talking about having a machine do the same level or more of thinking and focus and attention and variables crunching that a human brain does. I mean, quite honestly, we are the most advanced machine on the planet as far as we know right now. <laughs> you know, the, the things that the human mind can do is, is, is amazing. You know, the, the speed at which memories come in, the speed at which, you know, reactionary muscle memory, the fact that you can smell things, taste things, touch things, you know, a memory of a sound can kick off something. I, you know, you've heard of people who in their subconscious are feeling things going wrong with a vehicle and just knowing that for whatever reason they have to pull off to the side of the road and boom, something breaks just at that right moment. You know, you don't have machines doing that today. The human is still the most advanced thing out here right now. And so to try and replace that, there's a lot of systems, a lot of programming, a lot of mechanical, a lot of electrical. It's being built into these vehicles, a lot of computer systems. Well, and I think you hit on a number of things there, but kind of bringing that Scott Brown conversation back into this, that's one of the things I think is really overwhelming to a shop or to an individual tech is is understanding all of these different systems and understanding the way that they work. And even something as simple as how you do a calibration or how you do, you know, it, when you get into the diagnostics, and I think this is where this is fascinating to have this conversation today because, you know, I think when we first start talking, a technician's probably thinking, oh my goodness, they're going to take my job. Like the, the, the robots are coming. They're going to take my job. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> but, but really at the ground level, it, it's a tool for, to help them, right? It's not, it's not meant to just take all diagnostics out of things. It's more of a tool to be able to help them make more better informed decisions, correct? Exactly. And I'll, I'll, you know, I've already said it. I believe the human is the most advanced machine on the planet right now. We're, you know, when we first talked about doing this podcast, I think the topic we talked about was the future of diagnostic equipment. 
Yeah. And I think honestly, in my belief and in what we're doing with the, the company is we believe the human is going to be the future of the diagnostic equipment. You know, we are still going to have senses in a way that it will be very hard for machines to pick up. It's not to say machines can't do certain things better than us, but when you put it all together, I think it's going to be really difficult. And just like Iron Man had Jarvis and, you know, <laughs> the Starship Enterprise had the computer, you know, Elon Musk, even him, he, you know, he's coming out with Neuralink to try and help enhance the human's capability to keep up with the machines and these systems and do the things that are needed to, to facilitate and serve, you know, the, the future of technology. So <laughs> it, I, I mean, and that's, I think that's the frightening part and where it can become quickly overwhelming for somebody is, you know, say you're in that independent shop and it's already tough enough, right? Like to be able to understand the different systems and the different communication mechanisms. And, you know, even back to like a 2010 model car, 2012 model car, right? Like where it's got some age on it, but they were pretty advanced at that point too. And there were a lot of systems in those that I give a lot of a lot of credit to techs at independent shops specifically for being able to understand those different things, or at least knowing where the resources are to be able to go, go, go be able to repair yes. or diagnose. Right. And, and, and you, I think you hit it on the head there because several years back, I, I can't, I haven't done the time to study and try and figure out the point of where this, this nexus is, but a couple of years ago, I'm going to say at least five to seven years ago, we crossed the point where any one human being, would be able to understand, know, memorize, and diagnose every vehicle in the world. I mean, at, at, let's just be honest. There's just like the internet, every day, gigabytes, terabytes, petabytes of data and information being added every day. You are taking these systems and incrementally, you know, exponentially, not incrementally, exponentially jumping their complexities, their needs, their, their operating specs on a daily basis. And so for any one person to be able to do that, I mean, I think that that's a daydream to think that one person would know it all. Like, don't get us wrong. You still have your general root cause analysis, your basic diagnostic process, your dichotomous keys. All of those are important. But like you said, knowing where to find the resource to answer those problems. And that's really where... And just to not intentionally to plug what we're no, doing. No, no, I, I think it's fascinating. Where we're going yeah. with it is, is to try and build the bridge to that knowledge gap, to have access more than just analyzing data, anonymizing and having a machine system help guide you through diagnostic process, but also the education, the desire. If you have a desire to learn about a specific make model system, you know, process, Right now, there's no one single place in the industry to go and learn about that. There's no library of automotive. There's no Rosetta Stone of it. And so, you know, that's what we're in the process of compiling and building towards and working with so that beyond being able to fix the systems and test the systems, you can gain the knowledge you need, not just to use the tools and learn what they do, but to actually apply them to automotive repair specific to what you're trying to accomplish. I, I think that is a, an enviable task and, and being able to pull all it's of a that BHAG. together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a BHAG. I mean, but Hey, 
where would we be if we weren't trying to do great things, right? 100%. Yeah, 100%. And I, I think that's one of the, the complexities that if we're able to break that down a little bit for a technician too, to where it isn't overwhelming to even see which type of software you have to use, you know, like I think there's so much that I, we use it, we use that same analogy and it's a really simple analogy on uh, the recruiting side or when somebody's looking for a tech and understanding that, you know, something as simple as a resume and building a resume can be a complete pain in the butt for somebody. And, you know, because you have to go make sure you have the latest version of Microsoft Word, you know, like something yeah. as elementary and simple as that can be a real pain. So if you're going into a system and my goodness, we haven't used this or we haven't worked on this specific thing in three months and the software needs to be updated and like all of this stuff is happening, even then, you know, it's it's kind of just a almost like a snowball effect because then you're like oh my goodness we need to update this i forgot the password and like like it just there's so much stuff that goes into it that if you can simplify that i to me if i'm a technician i'm looking at that as a huge benefit and as shop too because you're so many shops talk about efficiencies in a shop and you talked about it earlier in the podcast where when you can identify those inefficiencies and be able to fix them there's so much value in that and so yep with text being such a shortage of text, the more efficient you can make them, the better off they're going to be. This is a tool that, I mean, at, from my view, I look at it and I'm like, this is game changing. This is something that could really, really help people. Absolutely. And, and you know, for us, we are separating our hardware from our software in the development stages, but they're all meant to be integrated you know, no matter the hardware iterations, they'll all have access to the information, but it's more than just information. So data is just numbers and facts and figures, right? Intelligence is something you can use to make an action step out of. And that's really what we're focusing on. We want to humanize the information so that it's not just data. Oh, here's all the data. Here's information. Here's Here's intelligence on what you can do next. It's, wow. it's, it's really important to us to humanize it. And it's important to the techs. I mean, let's be honest, completely honest. At the end of the day, I did okay in school. I, I, I would be considered book smart in that sense. But a lot of the guys and gals in our space didn't go to school and, and do what they're doing necessarily because they were book smart. Not saying they aren't or they couldn't be. But we love to work with our hands. You know, I love to work with my hands. I like to do things, build things, make things. I think that's why a lot of people in the space got into this space. We like to work with our hands. And sitting down in front of a, a book or a pamphlet or a two-hour, you know, slideshow session isn't <laughs> how we're going to learn. You know, there's a whole nother level of complexity for the human side of this where we got to figure out how to help these guys and gals out there better consume and understand and take that information and knowledge and that training. You know, there, there really is a whole different level to that. And you can't unfortunately just ship everybody off to a YO tech, you know, right. every couple months. <laughs> so yeah, there's, yeah, I, yeah. I, yeah, I just, I'm blown away by this conversation because it really is something that, you know, I think when somebody starts a business, they look at a need and, and try to identify a need and try to build a, you know, something to fill that need. 
and this to me is, it, it's such a glaring need and something that is, you know, I think like you said, BHAG, big, hairy, audacious goal. Right. And mm-hmm. like that, that is amongst one of the bigger ones, right? That, that is That's a what we big, thrive big on. Tackle. Yeah. Oh so, yeah, absolutely. I'm just curious. How did you, how did you even come to that point to where you're like, this is, this is something we're going to tackle. We're going to go after it. So I, I mentioned I've been in the space for, for a little while here. And from all the trade shows, whether it was SEMA, user events with Napa, they do these things called like hot August nights where they open up every Napa in the country and they've got like barbecues and hot dogs and they bring the hot rod and the big truck. You know, <laughs> we've done every major trade show in the industry for the last 10 years. And the number one thing, every technician, every tool dealer says that they want more of and need more of is training. Well, we spent those 10 years giving training. And what did we learn? They doesn't get consumed. It doesn't get understood. It's there. Yeah. There's a smaller percentage, about 10% of technicians out of the 1.5 million in the U S that are, you know, able to take that and really run with it. But at the end of the day, that 90%, it's not that they don't learn. It's just, it's not in their style, which is why we're building a lot of that intelligence into the tools. It's not that they, they don't have to take the training. You know, they don't have to go and get the education. They don't necessarily have to learn it as, as memorize it. Those things are going to be built into the equipment in the app. It's, it's not even equipment. It's into the app. We're taking standard testing equipment but we're helping analyze what it's seeing and we're giving that feedback to the user on what to do next. So we're helping them along the way. It's guiding them. It's like, like the bumpers when you're, when you're bowling. <laughs> yeah. So you still, you still got to throw it, you know, sometimes you're going to hit the rail. Sometimes you're not. So. I, I, I don't think I've heard that analogy before that. That's good. I like that. I like that. So people still need to know, like as it's coming down the road, that, you know, and as this advances, you still need a core knowledge of electricity, right? Like you still need a core knowledge of mechanicals. Like you you still have to have an understanding of how a car works. Yeah. And you can learn along the way if you want. I mean, (laughs) hey, let's be honest. At the end of the day, that's, that's a lot of how our industry is built. But yes, don't get me wrong. Jay, you and I right now today, we can go open our own automotive shop no certifications needed, just a few business license things, insurance. Please, um, yes. But, right? But you don't need it in the space, which is, you know, that's a whole nother topic of whether or not we should be doing it that way. <laughs> but you don't need that. However, to get things like ASE certifications, you do need work experience in the industry. At the very least, one year, depending on what level of certifications you're going after. So even if you did just did the book smart thing. If you weren't physically applying it, you can't be recognized as being a little bit higher. And so to get the the work experience and learn along the way, I think is all, it's a part of it. I mean, right. you have to do that. So whether you, you buy from the, the truck that has a red shirt or the yellow shirt or the black shirt or the blue shirt, you know, I don't care which truck you buy from, you're still going to get your hand, have to get your hands dirty and learn the hard way on some things. And hopefully you can find a good mentor along the way in the real world. But that's another part of what we're trying to do with the intelligence side of things is digitize that mentor for you. 
Interesting. So yes. how is it more like when you look at that from long-term view or the, like from 60,000 foot view, are you looking to to digitize the technical aspect of mentorship or is there is there anything additional there? I think it so it is in the plan to have that as an option. Initially, it will be information that's fed to the, the customer, whether it's through feedback and specific application-driven tests or access to training. But right now, for example, we have a built-in community in the app driven by the users themselves giving feedback. Yeah, we throw in education. We have monitor moderators in there. But we have influencers, YouTubers, guys that are outputting content on a, on a weekly basis-ish on YouTube but we're consolidating that here so that if the customer themselves and they are all access, you know, admins within their own little groups in the community. So if someone, you know, wants to talk to Cody's auto diagnostics and he's in California, he doesn't have to drive all the way to Cody's to get help. You can message him right there and ask wow. questions about what he was doing. They can communicate with each other directly. You know, it's, it's we're bridging that, that gap for them. Wow. So yeah. even like, even if that, mentor isn't necessarily in your shop, like you can Correct. still have, you, you can still get guidance. That's it. That's exactly Man, it. That's awesome. <laughs> that is, that yeah. is really cool. That is really cool. So say you're a veteran tech and you are, you know, you're pretty good at diagnostics, maybe not always your favorite thing in the world. And you're trying to chase down a say a short to ground somewhere or something like that, where it, <laughs> sure. it's intermittent. Like how, is it more like, so say in a, this is a total hypothetical. So I'm kind of putting you on a spot with a hypothetical, but, but walk me through how that looks. Like, are you, are you telling them, you know, is it, you know, all the way down to like doing a wiggle test or is it just, you know, like sure. how, how granular does it get? Sure. Absolutely. So as of right now, we don't have, any walkthrough features launched yet. We do have beta versions of things in our test groups. And I always give this one, the hardware that we release is always built with updatable firmware. So you can physically update the hard side of the tool in, in you know, to improve it. The app side of it is always updatable. We are constantly looking for better ways to do things and add increased functionality, capability, and, and user-friendliness. In the sense of the application-driven testing, that's going to be a constantly fluid thing. One, obviously, we're going to have our baselines, but as more users interact with them, give us the feedback per, they're going to shift. As industry norms change, they're going to shift. But as of right now, they are. you're going to see a demonstration video on how to achieve a specific test. You're going to get written instructions on how to do it. And if you are still not able to get that help or figure it out, there is the ability to do one-on-one, you know, face-to-face like you and I are doing with oh. a Kyrian professional, no extra charge. It's all included with that. But back to the hypothetical of the short to ground with the wiggle test thing, it's really going to depend on the diagnostic process that user took to get to understanding what the problem was. If the customer came in saying, hey, my front left headlight will randomly shut off when I'm driving and oh, it only happens when I'm going 
north of 30 miles an hour. Today, the system isn't going to be able to tell you, oh yeah, let's go ahead and you know grab this cable and shake it. <laughs> That's later with the, the machine learning driven system that we talked about. But it will, there will be plenty of content in the community to go search that type of thing, my year, make, model, issue, and see if someone else has, has had that or found that. What about like on one of the things that I think back to when I first started off as a technician was it looking at a schematic and then even like getting down to the point of like, okay, there's this connector on this schematic and I've I have no idea where this thing is at on the car. Like, sure. I mean, is that, is there still going to be some variables? There's got to be, isn't there? Where there's like, Hey, I got to find this thing. Of course. And at the end of the day, that's so that's going to be where you have to use your brain. And this would also be taught in the, the process and probably even given as a caveat before doing a, a specific test in the app. But if you're chasing down a wiring diagram, you're going to want to confirm point to point whether or not you're on the right circuit. So, yeah, yeah, diagrams half the battle. (laughs) The other half is finding the right pin. But you still have to test for that, which is why our tools are are passively testing. We're not outputting any sort of voltage or amperage that can damage. So if it is a matter of, okay, am I connected to, you know, a power feed or a ground feed, you can still test for that. And it, that's part of your diagnostic process, you know, being able to, to dive down to that. And in the case of the intermittent, I mean, honestly, you're probably going to want to do that wiggle test. Like you said, you know, do the test drive. You know, I don't know if the wiring diagram would be needed in that particular instance, right. but it might, you know, and, and then you would still want to go and physically check the power feeds, the ground feeds, the in relays that are in there, you know, the whole circuit. So this leads me to kind of a, a different type of question, but I think this is more not Curian focus, but more of like industry technician type focus as a whole. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I saw with a lot of kids coming out of tech schools and, and maybe even just young technicians in general was almost going into autopilot mode as a tech, right? Where you're like, oh, this thing's going to tell me everything that's wrong. And and being able to, you know, how do you combine the critical thinking aspect with sure. understanding what the tool is, right? Because I think that there's there's sometimes a, a barrier there. Sure. And and in this, let me pull this out from you. Are you talking about yeah. in the sense of like a scan tool where you connect the scan tool exactly. to the system and it says, oh, you know, it's this code, check, check the O2 sensor. You know, at, at the end of the day, and this is a teaching thing. You got to yeah. teach the text. The computer is telling you what it thinks is wrong. It has its own sensors. So it has a pretty good idea. But at the end of the day, it's there's still physical wires and connections and circuits that you have to go in and check because it thinking the O2 sensor is dead could just be the fact that the wire came discon- became disconnected, got cut off. Something else. The O2 sensor can be perfectly fine. So you can't, I'm not going to say trust the scan tool, but you can't rely on the scan tools, which is why for our side of things, we're going after testing the physical system, like the cables, the circuits and everything else, and then using that information to give you feedback. And then also, you know, then you want to use that in conjunction with the scan tool reading to see if what you found, you know, coincides or dovetails. But to your point, yeah, you cannot be complacent. It is not as simple as, 
let me plug in this $50,000 scan tool and, and, you know, it's going to tell them exactly what's wrong. It, it, that's not the way it goes. You know, that, that's just like the patient telling the doctor what to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think, again, it, it just strikes so many memories of, of my time in a shop and how naive I was in, in how to use a tool and how to, how to like, understand that critical thinking is still a, a piece of this, right? And mm-hmm. and being able to use the data that you're told or being able to use the instruction that you're told and not just assuming that that, that O2 code, O2 sensor code is means just replace an O2 sensor. No, there's Correct. there's more to it. And yeah, a, and you're going to want to test the sensor, you know, and, and that again, you know, some of the more scan tools today are now being built in with physical measurement devices, whether it's an oscilloscope or a, or a um, a voltmeter of some sort, an ohmmeter. So you can go in there and do those things. That's along the lines of, of where we're going. You know, if you had an O2 sensor that was out there, would be a built-in test for O2 sensor sensing. You know, it'll tell, t- walk you through how to connect to it. You know, for the most part, within given range, they're all fairly good or fairly bad. So, yeah. you know, it'll look at that information. And as we grow the database, you can put in specific makes and models where we do have known good, you know, source readings and whatnot and compare against that provide levels of, Hey, replace suggested replacement in however many years or months, et cetera, et cetera. (laughs) That is awesome. So walk me through kind of the process of how a tech would go about using Curian. Sure. So just in general, and sorry, like I I know that probably could be a broad, uh, broad array of things. Curian, the company, well, you give us a call. No. So actually the product we have is called the N2 Neuron. And and I'm going to, I've not said this in a public setting before, but I'm going to give it to you here. You got an exclusive first. <laughs> so, and, and I actually have one in a pre-release color over here. So hold on a second. I'm gonna we, we're getting the groundbreaking stuff here. This is uh, that's it. not even intentional. This is uh, this is great. Right? So here I've got the N2 in a rubberized black boot, uh, rubberized uh, body boot. And as you can see, it says N2 here in the middle. You've got these fun little, you know, renderings here, these little drawings, dots, and everything. The N stands for two-channel because this thing can take two measurements at the same time. So whether it's a a voltmeter reading and an amp reading or temperature in some other system, or you're using like a a amp clamp, a pressure transducer, a pulse sensor, you want to start diagnosing other systems beyond electrical. This has the ability to connect the the transducer to it. It's going to take those readings, transmit it to the app. And in the future, when we start diagnosing other systems, you'll be able to diagnose the full vehicle with one of the hardware sets. But where I'm going with this, the the two is for two channel. N, neuron, so it's the N2 neuron, is because we're building a living and breathing information system. And this is a neuron like the neuron in your brain that is reaching out to the physical world, touching things, understanding it, sending that data back to the brain. So if you even notice in the graphic to the the ports where you're gonna get your readings, we have the extension of the That's cool. Yes, so I mean, it's all here, it's it's there, it's out in the public, it's, we're building it, you know, this'll be the first real statement of it out there, but that's what we're going after, man. So, you know, this is what the customer would buy. They'd buy the hardware and it, it gives them all the electrical measurements they need for automotive today. And as of right now, the foreseeable future pending, 
the necessary transducers to read into the different systems. But whether it's volts, ohms, amps, it's taking that analog reading, digitizing it, sending it to a mobile app. So whether it's your phone, your tablet, a scan tool, a computer, you're getting your readings there. Now, you, you know, if you already know what you're doing and you're a fantastic kick butt diagnostic person, have at it. You, you know how to do a voltmeter reading. You know how to you know, set up the graph to, to look at a pulse width modulated circuit. You're looking for dropouts or spikes. Fantastic. If you don't, that's okay. Today, it, it's got some general walkthroughs as we continue to, to develop, and we're constantly going to be in, increasing the functionality. Since we've launched it, we've actually added like five new features to the app, and, and that's going to continue to grow. But it's going to give you guided walkthrough testing on how to do everything from battery discharge testing, uh, cold cranking amps testing, ignition system testing, starter testing, alternator testing, all the way through to power feeds and grounds and voltage drop testing, you know, to the end of the vehicle system. So it's, it's all in the app. And that's just the cool tool side of it. Like I said before, we have the whole other half of it, which is education, bridging that knowledge gap. So right now we have a full video library on how to use the tool. We include in, through a partnership with um, TST Seminars, the industry's top training outfit out there, biased. Yeah, good know, company. Julia and his outfit. But, you know, Scott Brown, we were just talking about him. One of his training classes is included free for 30 days if you buy the N2. So you're going to get 12 hours of real world, do your job better training with the tool just for buying it. It's normally like $240 worth of education. It's free for 30 days. In October, starting the first week of October, we are working with G Trulia over at TST Seminars to yeah. put together 24 hours of training. Not in one day, obviously. It's going to be broken up over several <laughs> days. But 24 individual sessions, well, 24 hours of sessions that will help a technician go from knowing nothing about electrical to the point where they can go out and do their ASC certs testing after the class. If they paid attention, you know, and paid any kind of attention, they would be able to pass. And to answer that little, you know, foray we went into earlier about hands-on people, the really cool thing about the way G and his outfit does their trainings is they do it hands-on. Not only do they do things in a fun way and in a very satirical way. Sometimes I love his analogies and his acronyms that he puts in there. He's got great graphics. He shows his very lively New Yorker. You know, you get those New Yorker guys, they're not afraid to push a button. <laughs> but but the, the way he does it is that he will actually link you to a $20 toy on Amazon that is, it's, it's from Snap Circuits is the name of the company. And it's just this little board where, where you put three AA batteries and they've got little connections and light bulbs and resistors and radios and, and all like fans and motors and stuff. And he walks you through the basics of electricity. So you're, you know, obviously you don't want to go work on a car in your living room, but you can bring this to your living room, your kitchen table. You can sit down. You're going to see it, experience it. For those people that are hands-on like me, when you take that course, when you take that test, that class, sorry, it's going to click. You know, it's going to come through to you. And so that's the kind of trainer. That's the kind of experience that we're building with all the education you and I talked about earlier. <laughs> I, I, as I'm looking up Amazon right now, I need that. <laughs> well, that is, the class that is cool. starts the first week of October. You know, the first sets are all going to be live. He's 
he's going to charge if you want to do the live one because he will interact with you and you can ask questions and go, you know, go hog wild with him and the whole class. And also there's a pretty good book you can get with that too. But after the fact, there will be recorded viewings. Now we're trying to still figure out my goal is to have it free for an for a purchaser of our product, only available through the app. Now we haven't fit, finalized how we're going to do that. Maybe the first time you take it is free. If you want to take it after that, you know, four ninety nine a class, something like that, and four dollars and ninety nine. You know, we'll, we'll figure that part out. That, that's yeah. that, you know. Ugh. I leave the money making to other people. <laughs> As my business partner says, I, I'm Santa Claus here. <laughs> I like to give stuff out, but you know, that's okay. I want to help. You know, I'm, I'm here to help. So oh man, this, you're definitely doing that. I mean, this is, this is, <laughs> this is cool. And how does that, I mean, we talked at the top of the podcast about the changing technologies and, and mm-hmm. how hard this is to keep up with. I've got to assume this, I mean, it helps you maybe for, even from a mental standpoint, not become overwhelmed by it and really focus on what it is that you can control and, and things that, you know, you, it takes it down. They, what do they say? How do you eat an elephant one bite at a time or something like that? And well, I feel like that's it, that. Yes. And that's exactly it. I mean, at the end of the day, and I think this is what you and I talked about in, in our, you know, our introduction prior to this, this podcast is, the technicians themselves to know what they need to know for the vehicles that they're going to be working on in the future. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, Hey, you can't know right now how to do it. You're going to have to take those courses. You're going to have to get that learning. Some of it's going to be hands-on some of it. You're going to have to crack open a book or pop the laptop or the iPad or the phone, you know, what, however your preferred way of doing it is. And you're going to have to do the learning. Now it's our job to make sure the learning is fun, accessible, rememberable, relatable, and at your fingertips and, and at a very cost-effective rate. I mean, unfortunately, the, the fun things in life aren't free. You're yeah. going to have to work for it a little bit. But if, if it's here for you in a way that you're going to understand it and, and be able to learn more, earn more, do more, make more, you know, why not? Yeah. I, I And as – as we go through all of these new systems and autonomous vehicles, electric vehicles, I mean, this is all stuff that is not, it's not getting dumber, right? Like it, it is, it is, it, <laughs> yeah. it is it, similar to what you're doing with this, right? Like it's just going to continually learn on its own. And like, it, it's just going to continue to evolve and yes. having a tool like in this, I should preface this by saying this is not a promotional podcast whatsoever. No. The, 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 the whole reason I wanted to do this podcast was to dive into the tool itself and understand it and make sure that like those people that are out there and they're looking at it and they're like, Oh man, this, this is a, this is an interesting tool that they could truly understand what it is because I do think there's so much value in what you're delivering moving forward and what your company is working toward because this is something that can have a and will have a major impact on the industry. And I, you know, I applaud everything that you and your team are doing. I I just, I respect the heck out of it. And to, you know, I love the fact that you dropped the the B head line in there (laughs) because it it truly is. I mean, that, that is not, that's not one for the week of uh, week of heart to, to go after. That's, that's a big, big initiative to go after. It, It is. And honestly, I don't want to, I'll put it this way. I want our space to be exciting 
It doesn't have to be boring and monotone. This space is an amazing place. You know, the industry itself is, is, you know, it's a little bit smaller, but everything automotive related, you know, whether it's, it's the SEMA show or the tuner scene or the hot rods, what, whatever it is, this space has so much to go for it. And, and I know a couple of years ago we were hearing, oh, the millennials, you know, are killing the automotive market. I don't, I don't think so. I think it, it's just not shifting with the times. And that, that's kind of what we're here to do. We're here to shift with the times. We're going to be a technology, or we are a technology space in this industry, and we're going to make it exciting and fun. And yeah. We're going to bring it hard. <laughs> well, and, you know, we talk about the technician shortage at, at nauseum, and yeah. <laughs> being able to have a tool like this that appeals to maybe that younger person that was going to go into computer engineering or going into, you know, some other type of job or career or industry and making it appealing to them. I think this, I mean, and this is totally a side benefit, but being able to recruit that different type of student from schools or, you know, when you're talking to middle schools, high schools and showing them that, you know, this, this is the future. This is, this is stuff that I think is super exciting. And the more you take that that training piece and make that part more exciting. And a couple of the people that you mentioned earlier, G and Scott, I mean, if you've got them on the platform and, and doing some things for you, like there's just, those are the kind of people that we need in the industry to stand out because they're, they're, they're passionate about it. And and as, as are you. And I think this is, this is game changing. This is really, really cool stuff. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. You know, I know our team appreciates it. There's uh, there's definitely a lot more to do, and it's great to see guys like you out here trying to bring that new blood into the space. I, I know a lot of what I've been seeing and hearing about you guys is to try and get those, not even newer technicians, people that don't yet know they want to be technicians yeah. into the space. And I think to your point and some of the things I heard in your other your other podcasts is, is truly the industry is needing, it is moving heavily towards that STEM necessary background, you know, just romantic or advantageous as, as the, you know, oh, I'm an aircraft mechanic, you know, it's getting to that level. Maybe we don't have the same level of FAA certification requirements, but the technology's there. I mean, at the end of the day, it, it really is now. And with what we're seeing five, 10, 15 years out, as we you know get closer to those five levels of, of autonomous driving, that's that's all important. And even more so the communication side of things. I mean, I think we're gonna see network engineers as technicians here in the future. I you know, I, I don't know if you you guys have covered it in any of your other podcasts. I know we're we're running pretty tight on time. No, you're good. You're good. You know, one of the things that that really, really fascinated me when I started learning about autonomous vehicles and and the way that the different manufacturers are going after it is the idea of the vehicle to vehicle communication, the vehicle to person communication, and then vice versa, person to vehicle, then the infrastructure communication, literally, you know, 5g, we've been hearing about this for a while is a necessary requirement of speed to have all of these interactions going on at any given point. So just to, to, 
think about it. I mean, literally the automotive space needs to be as sexy as an IT career. <laughs> if that is a thing. I agree. It's it's a, a little bit of a paradigm shift for the entire industry and yeah. something that we need to lean into because we do work on some pretty cool stuff and we do some really, really fascinating things as a, as a whole. And, yeah. you know, when I think we wake up and understand that, I, I think that's where the passion comes out. And that's where you know, when you talk about your profession and what you do, you're really proud of it. And I think we're, we're moving that direction. And, you know, there are thousands of techs that are extremely proud of what they do and they should be because they're extremely smart people. And I think it's just stuff like this that helps bring that to the forefront and show, you know, kind of show off those abilities because it's, uh, it's fun when you see a talented tech go to work and, and see what they can do and, and how they understand systems and how they work with systems. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I, this is, uh, this, this is fun. I, I agree. Like this, this moving forward can be a really, really cool thing. So we are and we can, bumping. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, and you know, we can still buy shiny wrenches and ratchets. I, I, I fall <laughs> into that bucket. Same. I buy shiny wrenches and wrenches. It's a bad thing. I don't even work on my own vehicle that much anymore. Not that I don't want to, it's just, you know, the time, but you know, you can't discount the hard line side of it. You know, like it is yeah. still a physical job, but it is more intellectually driven now, more, more advanced. So this, this is cool. My friend, how, how do people get in touch with you? Very easy. Go to curianllc.com and they can drop us a message there. We've got a live chat box that pops up. Unlike some other places, we're actually, we got people on there. So if you drop a <laughs> chat in there, it'll tell you whether or not we're online at that time, but we'll get back to you. We'll email you. You can call us. You can come by our office. We're in San Pedro, California. Look us up. We're on Google. We're, we're here for you guys. And if you have any questions, any issues, anything we can help with, you know, UJ, your audience, we're more than happy to, to help take a stab for you. Well, well, we appreciate that. I know we'll want to get you back on the podcast and kind of monitor the the progress of, of how this goes. And, and it's, to me, it's just absolutely fascinating to watch what you've built and what you're, what you're continuing to build. And I, I truly, I really, really think this is, this is going to have a huge impact on the industry. So appreciate you taking the time to, to spend an hour with me and let me pick your brain and, and hope, uh, hope you had fun. Oh, I did. It was a blast. Thank you, Jay, for having me here. And, you know, hey, just kind of throwing it out there, it wouldn't hurt to have some, you know, in the app, the ability to find a job. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> See, collaboration, right? Collaboration. Yeah. <laughs> well, I thank you. It. I love it. Thank you so much, Josh. No, thank you for having me. You guys are fantastic. Keep up your good work and keep bringing new blood into the space, man. I, I love it. I love to see it. Uh, cheers. Thank you so much. Thank you.